Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. Mir Garvey is back as my guest today, and she's going to talk about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile for job search. Mir is the founder of Job Market Solutions and an expert resume writer and LinkedIn profile writer. Job Market Solutions is based in Raleigh and has offices in Seattle, Boston, Irvine, California, Austin, Texas, and Raleigh, of course, and they've helped thousands of job seekers prepare their resumes and LinkedIn profiles. Mir is also a certified professional resume writer and volunteers her time with Dress for Success. Mir joined us on an earlier podcast, which was so good. We wanted to have her back to do it again. So hi, Mir, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Katie. Glad to be back. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have you. I wanted to kick off with a few LinkedIn facts that I found that I thought were kind of interesting. And we will break some of this down as we go through the conversation today and as Mir gives us some great tips for optimizing our LinkedIn profiles. But to kick it off, here were a few things that I found particularly interesting about LinkedIn. First, users spend only 17 minutes on LinkedIn per month. And that surprised me because the that's, first of all, not a lot of time and not a lot of time in a month. So I don't know, Mir, what do you kind of make of that? A lot of people are on, but they're not on for long is what that boils down to. Yeah, I think that the people that really, there are lots and lots of LinkedIn users that really never go there at all. And so it's a small percentage of very active uh, users on LinkedIn. Um, But these people are busy. One study showed that about 45% of LinkedIn article readers are in upper-level positions, so managers, VPs, directors, C-level professionals. They're busy, and so they're using their time. They go to LinkedIn, they check in a little bit, check their feed, maybe connect with someone and do a little bit of networking, and then they're off to something else. I think that's what I take away is, is LinkedIn is not a place to go and kind of browse or waste time. And just anecdotally with my clients, I always recommend that they download the LinkedIn app for your phone because that is a way to, especially if you turn on the alerts, your activity on LinkedIn really can take a nice little uptick. Again, just a couple minutes a day, but people find it much easier to touch base and check in when the app is on their phone than checking with their in with their laptop or computer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an interesting point because what I've read is that LinkedIn sort of rewards you for being an active user. And they do that by having you show up in more searches and Mm -hmm. featuring your stuff, I guess, more in other people's feeds. So the more active you are, the more active you become, in a sense, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Good, good point. So the other thing I saw was 39% of LinkedIn users pay for LinkedIn premium. And I just, That was just a sort of random piece of trivia because people ask me a lot, do I need to pay 
for LinkedIn Premium. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, if you're an active job seeker, then yes, bite the bullet and pay for it at least for a month or two mm-hmm. and not forever. 39% of users are actually paying for LinkedIn Premium. Most of those people are in the job search industry. They're either recruiters. I know I upgraded because I quickly reached the maximum number of profiles I could look at in a month. The average LinkedIn user, when you upgrade to premium, you really only get more thing, more of what you get for free, right? And most professionals don't need that much of those things, if that makes sense. The only real thing that you get um, with LinkedIn premium that you don't get some of, some of that for free is in-mail. The ability to send a message to someone through LinkedIn that you're not already connected to. That's something that comes with the premium? Yeah. Yes. That's, I think, if I remember correctly, that was kind of what pushed me over the edge of actually paying for it. So yeah, that's Mm -hmm. definitely handy, especially if you're trying to grow or expand your network. Right. And then the last thing I'll throw out there is that there are 14 million open jobs on LinkedIn and 90% of recruiters regularly use LinkedIn to find people to fill those jobs. So if you are a job seeker, this is where you need to be. And for more than 17 minutes a month, I would say. (laughs) All right, let's get started on talking about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. And when you're in a job search, obviously, this is really a place to be, to be active and to be engaging. And so, Mir, what would you say is your first step in optimizing your LinkedIn profile for job search? We kind of think about LinkedIn in two phases. There's the build it and then there's the use it. And so the first of the three tips that I want to talk about today is really the build it. So we want to flesh out that profile, create a well-written, completely filled out and keyword optimized LinkedIn profile. And then the other two are, we'll get to those, but they revolve around, okay, once we've populated the page, once we've built the page, how do you use the platform? So we'll spend some time on that as well. Okay, great. Great. So to get started, creating a well-written, complete, and keyword-optimized profile. Oh, where do you even begin on that? There's so much you can do on your LinkedIn page. It's overwhelming, but we're going to break it down. I mean, the first most important thing is that you want to fully flesh out your profile with content. You can work toward having a 100% complete profile, and that's what you want to do. The one piece that a lot of people miss is that you can't hit 100% complete status until you've reached 500 or more connections. So that's even, even that's a piece of being a completely populated profile. But once you hit that 100%, you're 40 times more likely to receive opportunities through LinkedIn. So you are boosting your visibility in search engine. I'm going to talk a little bit today about the different ways that you can be more competitive within LinkedIn's search algorithm and having a complete profile is one of the things that will help you rank better and be more visible in search engine results within LinkedIn's search feature. Yep. Okay. I didn't realize you had to hit that 500 connection mark in order to be considered 100% complete with your profile because that's a big stretch for a lot of people to get to 500. Well, I want to talk later about how the paradigm of who you should connect with has changed over time. Okay, good. We'll circle back to that a little bit later. 
Great. Where to begin? The photo seems to be like a really important piece of the puzzle here. Once you have the photo, it it's just a quick thing to add. It's worth maybe working with a professional photographer to, to get it right. But once you have a photo on your profile, you're 21 times more likely to be viewed and 36 times more likely to be messaged. So you, you don't want to skip that piece. And think too about how hiring managers are using LinkedIn. They're going there to learn more about you. Your photo is a big part of that. I've had clients who are worried about discrimination in hiring practices and they don't want to put their photo out there. I've yeah. had clients with facial differences or they're older and they don't want to put the photo out. But the, the bottom line is um, you want to take the most flattering photo of you that you can and put it out there because the the advantages of having a photo far outweigh the disadvantages that people may have insecurities about. Yeah. <clears throat> Why do you think that is so important? Why are recruiters spending more time on people who have a photo? That's really interesting. I'm just speculating right now, but I think the web is a visually driven medium. I think part of what we're doing on LinkedIn is building social proof that we're a real person. And and I know just from speaking with hiring managers, the resume is used to narrow down the pool of candidates. Like these, these are the 10 people that we'd like to, that we're interested in. Now they go to LinkedIn, which of those 10 are the three that we want to bring into interview. And so they go to LinkedIn to find out more about you. They see your face, they read your profile, it's written in the first person, it's casual, it's conversational. And that hiring manager should start to get a sense of, hmm, okay, I would probably like to work with this person or he would fit in with our culture or that kind of interpersonal connection that we don't even try to make on a resume. That's just not what a resume is for. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. It probably enables people to make sort of a personal connection. You look at the photo, you feel like, oh, okay, this person looks like a professional person and, yes. and you move forward with them. One study even found that recruiters spent, they used eye tracking software and found recruiters spent 19% of their time on any given LinkedIn profile just looking at the photo. Wow, that's a lot of their time because they're probably buzzing through a lot of those profiles very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's both frightening and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but what we can take away from it is the picture is important. Right. So any tips for getting a good picture? What should I wear? What should I, do I smile? Don't I? Uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, just in the 10 years of writing resumes, a number of years ago, most people got it wrong and they treated the photo like a Facebook photo and they may have updated it regularly or they had pictures of them with their kids or two candid photos in sunglasses at the beach. And then we sort of went through a phase where people realized it should be a more formal photo. And then we saw a lot of kind of wedding outtakes with tuxedos and spaghetti straps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And usually they, it was obvious that there was somebody standing next to you who'd been cropped out of those pictures. Other person. Yeah. But I feel like now most people are getting it right. If it's not a professionally taken photo, at least it's a home taken photo that's professional attire. I mean, the basics are good lighting, a crisp, clean image, the right top match to your industry. So probably not a suit and tie if you're a young marketing professional. And so match to your industry, 
The jewelry should be, for women, just conservative and nothing too flashy. Current hairstyle, current eyeglass style. I tell that especially to my older job seekers is don't have accessories that date you. And smile directly looking at the camera and cropped head and shoulders, not too close and not too far away. Yeah. All right. Good. Lots of good advice there. When I was working at a university doing career coaching, we used to talk a lot about LinkedIn and how to optimize your profile. And so we always like to provide sort of the bad examples, like don't do this. And we would look for those on LinkedIn. And we, my favorite was that we used a profile picture someone had put up. It was a woman in a, obviously in some kind of a beauty pageant. She had a crown and a sash. (laughs) And she was standing there with her parents, I assume, in the photo. And when we found it, we just, it was like, wow, this is just gold for us. This is is so perfect. So the what not to do, but very funny. Lots of fun. Lots of fun seeing what people do that makes you wonder, what were you thinking? (laughs) What were you thinking? Right, right. Ugh. All right, so moving on, how about the headline? Right. The reason that I point out the headline right with the photo is that, again, going back to that hypothetical hiring manager or recruiter who goes to LinkedIn and they they type in a search phrase, I'm looking for a, and they start typing senior software engineer. And they hit enter, and then they get a search results page of names. And so we see names, we see a little thumbnail photo of the face, and we see your current headline. And so most people have a job title at company name as their default headline. That's what LinkedIn gives you by default. And so in the search results, you'll see the name, the photo, the current headline, and maybe one or two of your past jobs in your city and state. So that's all that they are going on when they choose which of those seven or eight that they can view. Who are they going to click on? So the headline is really the only wiggle room you have. Your name is your name. Your city is your city. Your past jobs are the past job. So you can use that headline to dif- and your photo to differentiate yourself from everyone else on that page one search results page. By default, you get this job title at company name. Most people don't change it. I don't know if they don't know that they can or they just don't know what to use instead but it's a great opportunity to differentiate yourself, to be keyword rich, to be interesting enough to make me want to click and you know click through to your uh, profile and find out more about you. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. If you're returning to work after a career break, the Back to Business Women's Conference is an event you won't want to miss. It's a full day of speakers, workshops, and panels that will help you position yourself to return to the workforce. Join us for personal branding sessions, learn how to use LinkedIn as a key part of your networking strategy, and start building your job search plan. You'll meet employers who are hiring right now and make those personal connections that are so important in your job search. Plus, you'll join a community of women who are making that same transition back to work that you are. Register online at backtobusinessconference.com. I have seen some people who do their headlines and they replace their job title with essentially skills and Mm -hmm. sort of put a a line in between them. And I guess that's a great way to cram more keywords into that 
real estate right at the top of your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I kind of like a hybrid of that. Tell me what you are and then, yeah, you can use either little vertical lines or another little graphical icon, a bullet or a star or some other little check mark to break up a couple of other phrases. We do that sometimes for our clients. So maybe something like CPA and certified financial planner with a little mark and then something like um, 25 years experience and another little mark, a bullet. And then something like a call to action, maybe contact me for my free report on tax prep. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you can say, this is what I am. This is what differentiates me. Contact me for, or some other kind of call to action. And people will see that right away. I think that's a great idea. So what about your title if you're unemployed or if you want to change jobs or careers? How do you handle that title space in those situations? I get this question a lot about what do I use for my headline if I'm not looking for work? Of course, there's no right way to do it or different options, but definitely use the headline to brand yourself for the job you want next. So you could say something like experienced project manager. It doesn't say where you work, that you're not working, that you're looking for something else, but it does say what you are and that you have experience in it. You could even be more specific and memorable about it and maybe build your credibility with something like PMP certified IT project manager. And now, again, I haven't said whether or not I'm currently working, but I've said that these are my certifications and this is my area of specialty within project management. And and then there's certainly nothing wrong with, if it fits your personality and you're comfortable with it, putting something like, PMP certified IT project manager, little bullet, currently seeking opportunities with cloud-based companies or software as a service companies or something like that. So you can be even more targeted and specific and let people know you're actively looking if you'd like. And some people take that a step further and they'll add a job to their work history as though it were an actual role with a company currently seeking new opportunities with company name self-employed or unemployed. I'm not a fan of that. I know people do it, but I prefer to just put an end date on your last actual job and leave it at that. Yep. Okay. How about people who are changing careers? Your job titles in the past are what they are. You really don't have wiggle room there. So the headline is really where you can position yourself for the job you want next. So let's say that your career so far has been in one thing and now you want to move into something else. Your headline is a great place to highlight that. One example, this is an actual client of ours. Her prior role when she contacted us, her current role was a 12th grade English language arts teacher. And she wanted to leave teaching and get a job with an educational software company as an English language arts subject matter expert, helping develop programs to teach, you know, ELA topics in schools. Okay. So she had some transferable skills, but she was new to IT. So when she came to us, her tagline was English teacher at Sanderson High School. And then we, she hired us to do her LinkedIn makeover and through the process of working with her to address the job she was targeting, but also to gauge her comfort level being kind of Uh, forthright or or forthcoming with her job search, we decided on educational software development consultant with a master of education in English language arts and 15 plus years of classroom experience. 
Huh. That's a good combination of where she's been and where she wants to go, right? Yeah. 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 That's good. I and, like that. You know, when we spelled out Master of Education, it put us over the 120 characters. So we had to shorten that M period, ED period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because you only have a very limited amount of space to work with on that. Right. Yep. Good. I like that. That's a, that's a good example of kind of how to, how to look forward when you're making a shift like that. With the about section, which dovetails really nicely with your headline, those should be, those should work together. The headline should be a teaser for what your about section is going to cover and your about section should support what you've claimed in your headline. So they really do work together. We can go in a million different directions with the about section. It really depends on any given client's personality, preferences, their comfort level, putting information on social media. Some people are more private, some people aren't. The main things, the things that are shared among everyone's LinkedIn profile is that we definitely want to have a compelling opening statement. So in the last couple of years, LinkedIn changed the way the about section is formatted. And now you really only see about a line and a half of the summary. You've got to click a little link that says see more to read the rest. So you've got to make that first that first sentence interesting enough. Get someone to keep reading. It also needs to be keyword optimized. You've got 2,000 characters to play with. We talked a little bit before about injecting a little personality. That means you could tell a story. You could talk about what makes you unique. You could talk about your professional passions. I've got clients who, no matter what kind of functional role they're in, their passion is identifying and developing the talent of the people around them. And that's a great thing to kind of promote on LinkedIn. What is it that gets you excited about your job? That ought to come through. Um, break it up into short paragraphs. Use some bullet points. Highlight your most important qualifications and skills. Those are probably going to align with your keywords. But lastly, telling that story. What's the story behind your resume? If you're comfortable with it and if it's appropriate. For a C-level executive, probably not appropriate. But for other people, particularly in caring fields or calling fields like healthcare or teaching or ministry, it might make sense to share a heartfelt reason why you do the work that you do. So they can be very diverse. Sometimes I see those written in the third person and sometimes in the first person. I don't know about you or what you advise on those. I always think LinkedIn is sort of your space and so talk about yourself like it's you. (laughs) So I don't know. That's my personal preference, I guess. There's probably not a wrong way to do it, but I always like the ones better that say, I do this and I do that. Right. No, I think kind of like we've seen the evolution of the headshot and also the evolution of who you connect with. I think the evolution of how you talk about yourself on LinkedIn has happened slowly over time. In the beginning, everybody did see it as my online resume, and I think the third-person paradigm grew out of people copying and pasting from their resumes, and those are written in the third person. And very slowly, the shift has happened. So you definitely do see both out there. I personally like to write them in the first person for our clients, but I also, every now and then, for an executive, I'll write it in the third person. Because it's almost like, I'm too busy to do this. I'm going to have someone else do it for me. <laughs> Short and sweet and third person. Or if a client, if that's just their preference, we'll, we'll do it that way too. Yeah. 
Okay, great. So one thing you mentioned was the keywords, and you mentioned keywords in connection with the title, with the about section. Really, you want those to kind of permeate. How do I find the right keywords for my profession? Yeah, a couple of good suggestions here. There is a more in-depth way to do this. When we work with a client, we actually do a pretty extensive keyword analysis and come up with a short list. But for someone who's just looking to update their own LinkedIn page and make sure that it has some relevant strategic keywords in it, a couple good ideas. Number one, you can use LinkedIn skills section to research skills and job functions. So if you start, if you go to the skills section and you just start typing, LinkedIn will autofill in the rest of that skill. And so in that way, you can see kind of what are the suggested skills, the, the top ranking skills. You can also look at the profiles of your colleagues and your counterparts to see how they're positioning themselves. You know, what keywords are they using? How have they built out their profile? Is there anything there that piques your interest or resonates with you, those might be good keywords that you haven't thought about already that you could adopt. And then the third tip is to look at job ads on LinkedIn or other job boards that are typical of the jobs that you would be interested in. Jot them down as you read 10, 15, 20 different job ads and what are the common themes? Those are always good keywords to incorporate into your profile. How long should your about section be? I've seen some that are a brief paragraph. I've seen some that are six paragraphs. What's, what's your thought on that? I really think anything goes. What's your style? What's your tone? How much do you want to put on social media? Do you want it to be a teaser to just kind of pique interest and get someone to contact you? Do you have a direct call to action? You could put your phone number and your email address there. Or do you want to tell your whole story? We wrote a pretty long summary for about section for a um, project manager who was also a marathon runner. And we talked about how managing a project is like training for a race. And that was a long one, but it was actually fun to read. And so it, it's very personal. I guess use as much or as little space as you feel you need to use to tell the story that you want to tell. But the most important thing is that it feels authentic. It sounds like you, even if you paid someone else to write it for you. It should mm. still sound like you. <laughs> right. That's important. We covered a lot of ground there, and that was really step one, creating your well-written, complete, and keyword-optimized profile on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So what would you say the next step is for optimizing that LinkedIn profile? So this is more about building your network. And then the last, the last one will be about posting content or engaging. The LinkedIn search algorithm favors profiles that have more than 500 connections. I mentioned that already. So you want to work to get at least that many. After you reach 500, it, it stops showing the number. It just says 500 plus. So if you have 501 or 799, it just says 500 plus. So once you get to that number, that looks pretty good. Yeah then you can relax. <laughs> right. And so in the beginning, everybody on LinkedIn only connected with people that they'd actually physically done work with in a professional setting. It wasn't to connect with people you hadn't met. It wasn't to connect with friends and family or neighbors. And that's changed. Um, now, open networking is just taken for granted. I will connect with someone that I've never met because maybe they're a, a sales prospect, someone who's interested in hiring my company. So 
I will connect with pretty much anybody who doesn't look spammy. It's normal to connect with, of course, colleagues and coworkers, past and present, people you went to school with, so other alum. And it's a great idea to do that while you're in those school programs or jobs because as those people disperse, they're going off into other companies and they're in a great position to recommend you for roles. So you do want to connect with people while you're with them so that you can stay in touch after you kind of spread out. But yeah, connecting with personal friends, counterparts in the same industry, even with competitors, people you've met at professional conferences, that's become so common now. LinkedIn influencers, obviously you don't know those people professionally, but you love to get their stuff in your feed. And and then connecting with or reaching out to people who work at companies that you'd like to work for. Um, and that's where in-mail might be a useful asset. So you've got to write a really nice and persuasive kind of cold call email or LinkedIn message in order to pull that off, but, but that's not a bad strategy. I always advise job seekers to create that short list of companies that they're targeting and then follow them on LinkedIn. So you start to get news in your feed that the companies are putting out. It'll help you keep tabs on what they're doing, product releases, hiring announcements, that kind of thing. You can also see if someone that you know already works at one of your target companies or if you know someone who knows someone that works there. So if you have a second level connection with someone at one of your target companies, you could send at that in-mail or that personalized connect request. You could mention your mutual connection or you could reach out to your mutual friend and ask them to make an introduction, maybe by email or on LinkedIn. That kind of online networking can lead to um, face-to-face networking, coffee, lunch, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. My personal LinkedIn pet peeve is that people I don't know who invite me to connect don't include a personalized message. And I'm really super open to connecting to people I don't know, but I don't know why you're inviting me to connect if you don't introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, just explain what we have in common or why you want to connect in the first place. And it's so simple, but I think so many people overlook that. And it's interesting because you get those connection requests and you're like, well, okay, I don't know who you are or see what the connection is. And that, like you mentioned, they, that makes people look spammy, I think. Get personal on your LinkedIn invites. And it yeah. only takes a second. It just needs to be a one-liner, I think. Yeah. But it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. It only takes a minute. That's true. How about recommendations on LinkedIn? And is it okay to ask for those? What are your thoughts on recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 important to get recommendations and LinkedIn does make it very easy. You just scroll down your LinkedIn profile to the kind of close to the bottom, you'll see the recommendations tab and right there in the upper right, it says ask for a recommendation. So, pretty easy. Click the link. Again, just like with the connect requests, this is a place where you ought to personalize your ask. So, and and the the beauty of it is you're going to get a better recommendation because you took the time to put a few notes in your in your request about what it is you want that person to speak to, right? And they're also more likely to get it done quickly, more quickly for you because you've made their job easier. So for instance, hey Joe, um, wanted to ask if you'd take a couple of minutes to write a quick LinkedIn recommendation for me. I thought maybe you might speak to my team leadership skills or 
my ability to build rapport with our customers, or my presentation skills. You've seen me give lots of presentations, even to large crowds and executive teams, so maybe you could speak to that. Now you've given him the raw ingredients to write a nice little testimonial and you know to get it done more quickly. So people are happy to do it, but they overthink it and they put it off. So make their job easy and give them a few prompts. Good. That's a good tip. Also, I think, like you said, people are happy to do that, but nobody sort of wakes up in the morning and says, hmm, who can I write a recommendation for today? Asking for that recommendation is really the key to getting it up there, I think. Totally. Another way to ask for a recommendation without really asking is to write a recommendation. It's, it's not unheard of that someone just returns the favor and gives you one back. The thing that I notice is that a lot of people don't realize that the recommendations they have written are also archived on their page. So, you know, I think it's interesting when you write a recommendation for somebody else, and it's displayed forever on your page, it's an opportunity for you to sound smart on LinkedIn, post some insightful, well-written recommendation for people that you've worked with. I think it's interesting to point out that what you notice in someone else's performance, what you admire about their career, it says a lot about your own values and what you what's important to you. Keep that in mind. You can build your own credibility by what you say about the people you're recommending. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that seems like it's fairly new. Is it that recommendations you write now show up on your own profile? Because I've noticed that recently, but I don't recall that being there forever. Gosh, I, I know it's been there for a while. I don't think it's that new. I don't, I don't know that it ever wasn't that way, but it has definitely been that way for a few years. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So some great ideas about connecting with other people and how to do that successfully. So your third big idea about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile relates to engaging with other people by writing content. Writing content and and then being um, involved in sort of commenting on, liking, sharing the content that other people are posting. Being a, a conduit, being a producer, and being an encourager, all three when you post, not too much, some studies show that more than twice a day, your engagement starts to drop pretty steeply. So once a day, twice a day at most, or even just a couple times a week, that's about right. If your content is interesting and compelling, people will react to it. They'll, they'll like it, they'll comment or share it. If a connection of yours likes or shares your post, it's going to be seen by your secondary connections And sometimes those people will comment or ask to connect or start following you. And so you can sort of um, slowly over time build your either followers or network by having, you know, content you posted that was liked or shared by your first degree connections. When you're posting content, you also want to use images. Images in your posts are going to increase your views by 11 times. Now, if you post to an online, if you post an online article, LinkedIn's going to pull an image from that article, so that's kind of a gimme. But if you're creating a unique piece of writing or you're posting a unique idea, think creatively about what kind of image you could use to go along with that post. Yeah, that's a good tip. And there's a number of those free stock photo websites where you can find photography that you can use and don't have to pay for. So yeah, yeah. 
Canva is a great little tool to create. You don't have to have really any graphic design abilities. You can pick all kinds of backgrounds if you want to make your own little motivational quotes or Canva makes it pretty easy. And it's also, I think it's free or very inexpensive. Yep. I think you're right. I think it is free. So, all right. Good idea. So if I'm thinking I might want to post something on LinkedIn, but I'm not really sure what that would be. Do you have any ideas for that? Yeah, I, I post every day. I try to be a resource. That's sort of my theme in your profession, in your function, in, in as a job seeker versus a full-time employee versus me running a business trying to generate leads and or support my clients who are job searchers. I want to be a resource. Your goal might be a little different. So kind of what is the message that you want to promote on LinkedIn? And it might be things like, I'm a subject matter expert in my field. And so I'm going to link to an article in which I was quoted, or I'm going to give you tips and tricks and how-tos about what I know about. Or if my goal is to promote my company and a product that we're getting ready to launch, then maybe I'm going to post something about a demo or promote a special that the company's running. So you can be promotional even as an employee of a company. You don't have to be promotional only as an entrepreneur. But, um, you know, there, and you can post um, personal things, lessons learned. You can share your journey with other people. Customer testimonials. I post a customer email every Friday. We talked about that last time. But that's, that's a great thing. Customer testimonials, the motivational quotes are great. Not too much, just every here and there, every now and then. You can, as a resource, post to a YouTube video or a TED Talk that you want to share with your network. So it's really about not just being overly self-promotional and being a resource, thinking about your audience and what can you share with them that will be valuable and useful and also position you in the way that you want to be positioned. Nice. That's a good way to think about it, really being a resource. Think about kind of making your followers even smarter because they follow you and all the information that you share. So mm -hmm. I like that's a good way to, to think about how to add value on LinkedIn. Right. And kind of taking that one step further would be the LinkedIn articles. And there's where you have a much longer form way to do exactly that. If you ever were a blogger or thought about blogging, why create your own blog? <laughs> You've got a blog at LinkedIn with built-in readership. You can have a blog. I've been posting articles on LinkedIn since um, 2014, and they are in my business. If some, I very often get emails, hey, what do I do about negotiating the salary? I got an offer, and I just send them a link to the article I wrote a couple years ago on how to negotiate salary. So I I write them, people sometimes um, find me through having read an article, but I also write them to be kind of support for our current clients. So, and they build credibility and they have lots of good keywords and they boost the visibility of my page and they sort of do all those things too. But some of the topics that I've covered are what to do when you're laid off, how to job search before you relocate to a new city, what shows up on your background check how to phone interview, how to video interview, those kinds of things. Nice. And if you've been writing since 2014, even if you just do a few articles a year or whatever, by now you've built up kind of a library of information out there. So yeah, that's, that's really yeah, good. I, I, I kind of try to post about four times a year. Some people, I know I've got friends who post um, different industries who post about once a month. 
But whatever kind of your publication cycle is, like with any content creation, kind of put together a little editorial calendar. What topics do you want to cover? How often do you want to write? And hold yourself to that um, schedule. Great, great idea. So on this topic, I pulled a few stats that I thought were interesting. And one of them was first that content published on Thursdays tends to perform the best. And I thought that was interesting. I think conventional wisdom used to be kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but now it looks like they've narrowed that down to Thursday's stuff out there performs the best or gets the most attention. So just something (laughs) to keep in mind if you are a a LinkedIn publisher or prolific poster. Uh And then another thing was, because I know a lot of people want to publish things on LinkedIn, but maybe they're a little nervous or they don't think they're a professional writer and can't do it. But of the 10,000 most shared posts on LinkedIn between 2012 and 2016, only 6% of those were written by LinkedIn influencers. So that means that the other 94% of posts that are getting shared are really just being written by people who are not sort of professional LinkedIn influencers. Right, right. You can do it. Anybody can do it. Also, I had a good story about publishing on LinkedIn that I always love to share. And I had an MBA student that I worked with years ago who was looking for a job. And he had one of his hobbies was just kind of playing around with drones. He was fascinated by the technology. And so he researched a lot about it and learned a lot about it. And this was back years ago when this was really more of an emerging technology And so he wrote a piece on LinkedIn just because he was interested and he liked it and he realized he probably knew more about it than the average person. And so he wrote a a post about drones and put it on his LinkedIn profile. And sure enough, he was offered a job at at GoPro as part of their product management team that launched their first drone product. And really what got him noticed was that he was talking about drones on LinkedIn at a time when... People didn't know much about it, and nobody else was talking about that very much. So we really stood out by doing that. I love that. I always encourage people, if you're looking for something and you have a job and you have an expertise in an area that is uncommon or unique, write something about it because people are looking for your expertise, and that's a great way to get noticed. Mm -hmm. So, all right, tons of good information here. I feel like this is a podcast people will have to listen to twice, (laughs) once to hear it through and once more to sit down in front of their computer, pull up their LinkedIn profile and kind of work through it step-by-step following all of your great advice here, Mira. I'm gonna give a quick recap to Mira's steps to optimizing your LinkedIn profile for your job search. And the first was, Create a well-written, complete, and keyword-optimized LinkedIn profile. The second one was build your network, give and get recommendations, follow target companies, and remember you're trying to hit that 500 connection mark in order to have your profile be counted as 100% complete. That sounds like a really big number, but I think you do it one person at a time, and that's how you get there. And then the third step was engaging with others. And that can include sharing and liking content and writing or posting original content for all your followers and your network to see and comment on. A lot of great tips here. 
And if you need a professional to help with your job search tools, like your resume or your LinkedIn profile, you can reach Mir at info at jobmarketsolutions.com or you can find her on LinkedIn. You can also see Mir in action at the Back to Business Women's Conference in Research Triangle Park. And she'll be speaking about how to write your resume if you've got a gap in your career because you took time off. So you can find more information about the conference at backtobusinessconference.com. So thank you again, Mir. Always fun talking to you and uh, learning from your expertise, which is really vast in this space. So I appreciate your time. Thank you, Katie. And um, I love what you're doing and we will see you at the conference next month. All right, that sounds great. Listeners, now that you know how to optimize your LinkedIn profile, go do it. I believe in you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.